All right. Hello, Facebook. Uh, I'm Jordan Ostroff from Jordan Law, and this is the Let's Get Up to Business Facebook Live show. Joining me today is a very special guest, Greg Eisenberg of Legalese Marketing, who's going to talk to us about some marketing tips and most specifically outbound engagement. So thank you for joining us, Greg. And thank you for having me. So I'll have Greg give all of his contact information in a second. But before that, I just want to pitch. Uh, yesterday with Kyle Ferris on, he talked about moving commercial um, moving issues. And that video was originally split up into two parts because we had the issues associated with the internet. Um, we're hoping to splice that together and get that on our YouTube channel. So if you're enjoying the videos and you want to be able to watch them all in one spot a little bit easier, uh, go ahead and you can go to our YouTube channel. Mark's going to drop the link here. You can subscribe on the YouTube channel, and then that'll give you access to almost all the videos, uh, as well as some extras that are only on YouTube over there. And then if you enjoy this video, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, we have Jason O'Neill on. He's going to be talking about commercial real estate issues from the legal side as it relates to coronavirus and people uh, being able to be evicted or not being able to be evicted and all those. So thanks again for being here, Greg. No, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I see that uh, Mark already dropped the website for Legalese Marketing. It's legalesemarketing.com. Makes total sense. So tell us a little about yourself. So uh, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. I've been living down in Orlando the last decade. And uh, my entire time in Orlando, I've been involved with uh, marketing, specifically digital marketing, whether it was uh, events, uh, tourism boroughs, uh, and then... Uh, recently law firms. So uh, moving through the progression of working with big, large, small companies, but always looking to help companies grow and engage audiences online. Now, and obviously I'm biased because, you know, I'm the, uh, the other half of Legalese Marketing, but tell everybody a little bit about Legalese Marketing and what makes it different. Sure. Legalese Marketing is different uh, because we have uh, not just Jordan, but we have a group of lawyers and, and lawyers that are able to give their perspective and combining that with my experience in digital marketing and the team that I bring to the table, we found that we can really help law firms grow in the way that law firms need to grow, not just what people from my end of the aisle are throwing out there or just what uh, lawyers are uh, necessarily discussing in their groups and in their bubble. So we get both perspectives together and that's what makes Legalese Marketing so special. And I know one of the big things that we've had to bring to a lot of this is the uh, bar ethics rules. You know, I guess uh, no other marketing companies seem to care about that and then put some of their customers and uh, our fellow lawyer colleagues out in a uh, potentially bad spot. Sure, sure. And the, I mean, the bar just makes it oh so fun to deal with, you know, having to get every single ad approved and every single variation of that. Um, it makes it hard for a law firm. So I get it because, you know, traditionally from an agency perspective, um, you want to A-B test as much as possible. You want to test every caption and every combination and every graphic that you possibly can. And when you need to get every single thing approved by the bar, that obviously makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, but I understand why having to navigate that uh, terrain can prove to be challenging for lawyers. And if you don't have a law firm that knows what they're doing, or not a law firm, if you don't have a marketing agency that knows what they're doing, uh, you can get yourself into some trouble that is really unnecessary, even though the rule is unnecessary in its own right. So, and I know, you know, uh, we've worked with a number of attorneys to try and get ways around that, such as having people opt in in exchange for a free download. Um, but obviously, like organic. SEO and organic social media posts are things that are not going to have to get cleared by the bar. Am I correct, correct. in that? Uh, okay. That's what we're looking at right now, as of right now. I mean, now they just added, you know, search terms into uh, the bar's regulation. So now every little thing when it comes to paid media is being looked at of any sorts. So I'm sure it's only a matter of time before they have to clear organic posts. But for right now, we're holding strong. And so a big part of that, though, is going to be outbound engagement like we're going to talk about today, right? I mean, that's getting that's, – that's how you're going to get that social media message to the right people? Well, that's really well, – how it really is when it comes to SEO and what, what we're going to talk about is outbound engagement. It's, it's really that if you open a business and you open your doors but you don't tell anybody that you're open, you can't expect people to come. And the same thing happens a lot with social media where – 
uh, a lot of people post maybe an article or they, you know, make a blog post or a social media post and they get frustrated because they don't have the engagement rate on there. They don't have people seeing it. And what they're not realizing is there's kind of two ends of that. And unless you're doing that outbound engagement and going out and reaching people where they are, um, you can't expect people to be following where you are. And so you kind of wind up shouting in an empty room, so to speak. So, you know, outbound engagement is a way to kind of couple that with the content you're putting out. And so you're not just, you know, putting out good stuff, but you're also commenting on other people putting out good stuff and joining that overall community. All right, before we get to the next question, hey, Mark, if you can hear me, uh, for some reason on the feed, our heads got super small. It kind of, we're in uh, we're in very widescreen now. All right, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if we can get that fixed. I think Melanie called in. So, all right. Oh, yep, we're back. Okay. So, we're, uh, Mark's getting set up. It's really cool, actually, to see the feed as he makes it wider and then uh, is moving the names around. So, we're back to the <laughs> normal size. Um, again, you know, we're going to do a video on how we do these videos because it's, it's hilarious to me how complicated this has to be. Um, and we've actually had a lot of people ask us questions about putting the videos together. But again, you know, in a nutshell, basically... Greg and I are in a Google Hangout that Mark is then running through OBS to stream to Facebook. And so that allows us to add the uh, contact information, logos, et cetera. But obviously that's contingent upon the call being the same way, plus Facebook being the same way, plus OBS being the same way, et cetera. So, all right. Anyway, um, so let's get back to outbound engagement. You know, give me, I, I know you, you went over it a little bit, but give me that 10,000 foot view perspective. I mean, what are we talking about when we're talking outbound engagement? Sure. When we're talking about outbound engagement, it is ensuring that you, like I said before, are not just yelling in an empty room, so to speak. It's making sure that you have a constant flow of people knowing who you are. Uh, it gives you a constant flow of you understanding what other people are talking about, the trends that are coming with that, and making sure that you're staying conversing within those trends. And that way, they start to build you know, within your following. And when you do post you are reaching people, you are engaging with people because you've already engaged with them in an organic level. It's almost like if you just went into the street and started just shouting whatever you believe in, right? Uh, shouting whatever your message is to just a whole bunch of random strangers. People are not going to listen. Now, they're also going to think you're crazy. And luckily, social media prevents you from, you know, random strangers always seeing your stuff. But if you really want to get your point across and really engage with people, it's going to take you having conversations and real ones and putting yourself out there. Just like how you do in the physical world, it needs to translate over to the digital world. Yeah, I love how you make that comparison because I think a lot of people look at social media as this, you know, new age thing for kids that has nothing to do with the rest of what a lawyer is doing or what an older business owner is doing or what a more experienced business is doing. But really, I mean, social media is just the virtual way to do and to support the same stuff that you're doing in person. I mean, in a nutshell, I know a lot of people say this marketing is just getting attention. So at the end of the day, you know, when you are thinking purposeful about your business, whether it's a law firm or anything else, you need to be where everybody else is. And that is right now, you know, social media, the digital scene and the different platforms there. And it doesn't help if you're kind of that, you know, so to speak, old person in a high school dressed in young person's clothes being like, hey, young kids, it, it doesn't work. You need to interact organically on those platforms and engage people the way that they're conversing on those platforms or it doesn't work. It comes off weird and, you know, cheesy. And, you know, if you're able to do it organically, it, it's the same way as being a normal person in a, at a networking event or at a, at a wedding where you don't know that many people. If you come up and you just start, hey, I'm selling this product, no one's going to want to talk to you. But if you develop real connections and real relationships and engage in you know, conversation and trends the way that other people are conversing or engaging in it, uh, it's the way to really build sustainable relationships that are going to help your business or law firm. So when we're talking about the different platforms and this outbound engagement, I mean, how different is it from platform to platform? It's extremely different. Uh, it's from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram to YouTube to if you want to go down the path of TikTok, everyone is engaging completely different on every platform and it's constantly changing. 
Uh, Twitter, you know, has a character limit and there's only text with, you know, adding, you know, some pictures into it. Um, and people engage with a lot of news sources there. Um, it's a lot of putting personal statements out there. But there's certain ways that you can join conversations that people don't think about. A lot of people are just tweeting, but you should be looking up hashtags, diving into trends, conversing with people that are talking using those hashtags. Um, that's how we kind of converse on Twitter as compared to YouTube that could be commenting on other people's posts, on other people's videos, and engaging with other people that are content creators, as opposed to something like Reddit, where you join specific communities and communicate within it. Um, there's a lot of different platforms out there. Each of them has their own context, or else they would be just a duplicate of the other platforms. So instead of getting in the habit of having one piece of content and sharing that across all of your platforms, I would also get in the habit of finding other people's content, engaging with them just as much, split that time evenly because it's just as important. All right. So with that being said, I mean, can we talk platform by platform here then? Yeah, definitely. Let's give it a shot. All right. So I know you started with Twitter um, and I think that's probably the easiest one to think about it because, you know, Twitter was built on the hashtag. Correct. Yeah, it definitely started it off. And, you know, a lot of people use hashtags as like, you know, branding terms or, you know, stupid sayings within their statuses. And it drives me absolutely nuts because I don't think people really understand the purpose of hashtags. And that is just simple subject lines or, or subjects that you can click and see what other people are talking about that subject. And if you use it the right way, it's super relevant because if you use hashtags the right way and what you're posting, other people are going to be able to find you. So you're not all of a sudden shouting in an empty room. You're shouting in a room where maybe a lot of people are chattering, but at least you're in the room. The other way to use it is to see other people and what they're commenting and to start engaging there. Uh, if it's somebody that's a celebrity or somebody that's really popular and has a lot of people commenting on their status or their tweets, you know, you can start tweeting at people that are comments that are tweeting on those tweets, you know, start engaging with everyday people that are trying to engage with this celebrity. Um, start real conversations that way in real dialogues. Uh, I know one, one thing that Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about is his $2 strategy, which is, you know, taking, putting your two cents into something and pretending that you have $2 every day and putting, you know, 200 comments out there into different conversations and really dedicating the time to open it up there. And it's not something that you get an immediate, you know, uh, ROI on, but it's something that really helps build your brand online and helps build that network because you all of a sudden become expert in all of these different, you know, conversations. You, you, people see your insight, they recognize your name and something like that goes a very long way. Um, the way that you can kind of keep up with certain people on Twitter is there's a, an aspect called lists. And you can go ahead and set up different lists. You can decide if they're public or private. And you can add as many people to the list as you want. And it's basically creating a separate news feed. And so like on my personal one, I have a private list for you know friends and family. And I keep up with that. And no one can see that I have that list. But it's a good, easy way for me to keep up with everybody. But on a public side, maybe I have lists of referral partners. Maybe I have lists of, um, of news sources. And, and this way, other people can find lists and subscribe to it so it's a new way to kind of build that you know um trustworthiness and you know establish that credibility but on the flip side it's also a easy way for you to kind of keep up on certain categories of people or allow your page to advertise you know certain categories of people i like that because basically you know we talk about the ways to be viewed as an expert is you know you can actually be the expert you can actually publish it or you can curate the expertise of everybody else so that list kind of gives you the ability to do both on twitter correct so and correct me if i'm wrong the hashtag originally was was developed as like a digital dewey decimal system type place right like it was designed yeah, to help sure. people find okay so it's not it's just a library for, of subjects so it's not just for making jokes about your pumpkin spice latte or whatnot no, not at all. Now, with that being said, if you want to type in a joke in there and see what other lame people are making the same joke as you, that's a good way to search. And maybe you can build an audience of that. So in essence, you know, what you're talking about here for this outbound engagement really is look up hashtags for issues that you're trying to get your message out to or people that you're trying to get your message out to and then go from there, right? Sure. I mean, it can be a number of things. There's 
and I'm going to jump to a couple of different platforms that may use something holistically the same. When you look at a platform like Quora, okay, so Quora is simply built off of people asking questions. And there's people that are content creators that are just paid to ask questions and are paid by how many responses and engagements they get on their question. So that's the way that their system works. Um, you can just answer questions on Quora. You link back to your website. So all of a sudden you build some SEO value there. And, and again, it's the same principle where you're looking up subjects about what people are looking for in what you do. So if you practice a certain type of law and you look up hashtags relevant to that, or you look up questions relevant to that in Quora or in any other platform, you're going ahead and joining the conversation of people that may be needing something. Maybe it's colleagues in the field. Maybe it's, you know, communal, uh, you know, news. Maybe it's other things like that, but you're joining other conversations to put your name out there. It's kind of putting your foot forward and taking the principle of, you know, 50% of the people are waiting for the other 50% to say hi. It's kind of taking that same approach and understanding that they're over there in this bubble talking and I really want their attention. So I'm going to have to go ahead and get it. I can't just wait for them to come find me. So, and you know, the, so the hashtag started on Twitter. Now it's on what? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and Instagram's great because you can follow hashtags. So you can have, uh, you know, just like you follow individuals, you can follow the whole hashtag. And so on your newsfeed, people that use that hashtag will pop up there. In, in your stories, that hashtag will pop up there. So you can follow people that are using that hashtag in their stories. So if you're posting a story and you, and you have a hashtag in there, when people ha follow that hashtag and that appears in their stories, they'll see your story on there. So again, you're talking in a room where there's a lot of chatter, but you're still in the room. Whereas opposed to if you're just posting that without tagging it, you're really just kind of uh, talking in an empty room unless you have a big following already and then you really don't need us. <laughs> so when somebody is creating that content, making that post, sharing that picture, is there a best practice on how many hashtags they should be using? No, um, but I wouldn't go excessive because it's annoying, but I would go as many as you need. You know, in Twitter, I wouldn't load up the end with hashtags. I'd put hashtags throughout. So I'd, I'd replace certain words that you're typing with hashtags as opposed to loading up the bottom with hashtags. For Instagram, it's a little bit different. Um, in order to make your post look prettier, I would just post as is with no hashtags. A first comment, uh, I would just load with hashtags. And that way, uh, that first comment will automatically register that image with those hashtags. And so it will still be searchable for if you do it immediately. Gotcha. And what about uh, LinkedIn and Facebook? LinkedIn and Facebook aren't as important as far as timing goes. It's just more important for searchability. So um, it's more so for the search function on Facebook and LinkedIn. For Twitter and Instagram, it's about being on the feed for that hashtag more so and being as relevant as possible on there. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so on Twitter, when you're trying to find those hashtags, you know, I know you talked about, you know, maybe subscribing to other people's lists or searching by hashtag, you know, any other tips for them from that standpoint? No, it's really about just joining that conversation. Like I said, um, as far as, you know, finding those people talking about relevant topics and just putting your voice in there again, it's, it's about not feeling timid when a lot of people feel timid and don't want to join other people's conversation they're kind of placing themselves too much in the real world where you kind of are nervous to approach people that you may not know, but in the digital space, it's perfectly normal. And just, I would hop in there and start putting your two cents in. Gotcha. All right. So let's move over to LinkedIn. Cause I think that's going to be the one sure. that's probably the most common for our business owners. Um, so obviously we still have hashtags in LinkedIn. When you first go on LinkedIn, you've got that bar on the right. Uh, if you're on a computer, that's got like the relevant articles. I think it's been coronavirus for like two months straight now. Um, where else can people find the trends on LinkedIn? Uh, so as far as trends go, I would just kind of follow your business news. Um, that's pretty much what everyone else is going to be following on there, unless you have some specialized insight tools. But as far as kind of what you can follow from an organic perspective, I would just be following businesses and, you know, influencers and taking advantage of that aspect of LinkedIn as much as possible um, for two reasons. A, it's going to help you keep up on trends. But then B, you're also going to be able to comment 
amongst the comments. So similar to like I was saying on Twitter, you know, following somebody like Mark Cuban on LinkedIn, I wouldn't go commenting expecting Mark Cuban to read it, but I would use that comment section as if it's its own little network. So people that are like-minded besides internet trolls are most likely going to be following those same things as you. I would go ahead and and understand that and go and uh, reach out to those people and and comment to them and, and kind of create that conversation within the dialogue there. And so is that something like, you know, Mark Cuban writes something about what the Dallas Mavericks are doing and you comment like, oh, hey, you know, we have this great product that would be really helpful for them and then see who else engages with it? Or is that too far? No, absolutely not. If, okay. if we're going to take that specific example, it would be, you know, Mark Cuban posts something about the Mavericks. Somebody else comments, go Mavericks, and you go tell them to go eat crap and go magic. And because, you know, this and this player are going to do this and that. Like comment relevant to the conversation. If Mark Cuban posts something about AI being the future and somebody posts about, you know, AI application in their business, you can start a conversation with, you know, oh, I own a law firm and this is how I see it applying to my business. You know, kind of like relevant to whatever the topic is, but use it to create organic dialogue. Gotcha. Okay. And then also on LinkedIn, isn't there like the ability to get uh, insights in it? Like you can find articles that have been shared by country or something? Yeah, sure. So there's two different ways to post on LinkedIn. There's regular posts and then there's articles. Um, Articles are similar to blogs, except they're posted directly on the LinkedIn platform. So there's a couple different ways that you can search articles as opposed to searching like posts. So searching posts, you're really limited to just like searching based off of like keyword where, you know, the articles have a lot of different optimizations on the back end. So different ways that you can tag your article. And so you're able to search based off of those different tags. And again, a lot of those articles you can find just by following people that are, you know, writing articles that you're into. So they have the same type of influencer system where people are going to be posting articles if they're, you know, uh, specialized in a certain field, if they're a news source, uh, something usually specific, um, or else they really wouldn't have much to write about. So following the people that are in the field or even in other fields that are putting content out that you, you know, either enjoy or you think that you could repurpose or, you know, take inspiration for your content, um, those are the people that I would follow in there and you'll start getting those articles coming through in addition to those posts and seeing the difference. Now, LinkedIn has a bunch of different tools that you can pay for. A lot of them are sales-based. Um, I, I don't necessarily uh, promote or not promote them. They're expensive. I'm sure they work in the right terms. I do manage ad spend on LinkedIn. Um, it's expensive, but it works. Um, you don't get a lot of results, but you get great results. And that's kind of how I, I, how I equate LinkedIn and marketing. People usually go on LinkedIn with a purpose. Either they get a lot of their sales from LinkedIn, they're looking for a job, or it's the first of the year because people treat LinkedIn like it's a job. And they go, wow, this year I'm going to be really active on LinkedIn. And then they start off the first month really active and then it dies down, similar to like the gyms. So uh, in order to engage people on LinkedIn, it has to be very purposeful. So as far as just like joining everyday conversations, save that to Twitter. Save this for a lot more professional-based conversations. There's groups that you can take advantage of, and there are a a key group of people that are very active in LinkedIn groups. So either make your own or join others and join that conversation. And then again, be following people, following influencers, following colleagues, and engaging on on the typical newsfeed are going to be your most resourceful ways for outbound engagement on LinkedIn. And the, um, the other thing that I want to let people know is expect a much slower exposure on LinkedIn, not necessarily in terms of like number of followers, but it seems at least to me and a lot of our clients, um, you know, a post on Facebook, you might get 15 likes in the first 10 minutes and then it might trickle, you know, up or down from there. LinkedIn, you know, you might get the majority of your comments almost 24 hours later. Yeah, it's definitely a slow burn. People check LinkedIn a lot less. Uh, there are some some fields that use LinkedIn religiously, um, but for the most part, it's it's a once a day thing, if that, for a lot of people. So uh, it's definitely not that I dissuade people from posting on there or advertising on there. Just have different expectations. Okay, I want to do Facebook last because I think that's going to be the sure. most helpful one. Um, so we talked about Twitter, we talked about LinkedIn, we talked about Instagram a little bit. You talked about Quora. Um, any other platforms other than Facebook that we want to get into in a little bit more detail or, or other tips or tricks about any of those platforms? 
I mean, there's a few different other platforms out there that I just always recommend utilizing. Reddit is great. A lot of people are very communal based on Reddit. So meaning they really uh, stick to their core um, topics that they're interested in and they engage heavily on there. So finding communities within Reddit to really engage within is a great way for A, SEO and linking back to your site and B, just really staying in the conversation. Um, TikTok's another one if you can find a way to make yourself human on there. Uh, it's more of a, a fun uh, content-filled platform. But again, you want to be where people are. And especially with this quarantine going on, I have seen more and more people in their 30s and 40s getting on TikTok than before because they're understanding what the hype is. They want that entertainment. And so with TikTok and Instagram, I, I say it's a great way to document the, the overall goings of your firm and what's going on in your personal life and, and show a bit of a human side to it as opposed to creating content on the other platforms and putting out blog posts and stuff like that. LinkedIn's a lot more of, or I'm sorry, Instagram's a lot more of, you know, showing behind the scenes and TikTok is a little more purposeful video that you wouldn't necessarily put on YouTube, but is a little more engaging. All right. Uh, a good friend of ours, Nayef Mubarak, a grade A uh, immigration attorney, just gave you a like on the TikTok thing. So I think he might be one of those uh, 30-year-olds that just jumped on TikTok while this is going on. Well, I will say this. If you're going to put out TikTok videos, you cannot embarrass easily. And if you don't embarrass easily, it's a great platform for you because you'll be able to put your fun human side out there. Like John Morgan would honestly be made for TikTok. He would be fantastic for TikTok. He likes putting his face out there. He's got a sense of humor and a personality. If you're very timid, it's I would stay away from it unless you want to put yourself out of your comfort zone because it's a lot more engaging in a fun aspect and a personable aspect than it is a serious side. Whereas LinkedIn, you're going to obviously be able to post a lot more serious content. Yeah, there's a um, there's a really great attorney in uh, Alabama, Bernard Nomberg, who does a lot of workers' comp stuff. And he had uh, one of his daughters basically got, went came home for spring break and then got you know quarantined at his house. And they've been posting these like really legitimately well choreographed dances for them on TikTok. And it's just it's so funny to see. You know, you get the you see him at like eleven o'clock on Facebook Live talking about you know some of the new changes in the law, and then at uh, you know four o'clock on on TikTok, he's uh, dancing with his daughter. So which is it's yeah, it's interesting. And, and here's the thing: if you are you know uh, one of those advertising and marketing you know nuts, it's really interesting to follow TikTok because it allows um, it allows advertisements on it but not a lot. And they're very selective over who they allow to advertise on there and what content is there. And I'll be honest, you wouldn't even recognize that it's an advertisement half the time. And uh, if you want good organic content ideas, just go on TikTok, like even for fun and just like understand the platform, even if you're not going to post, it, it says a lot about where we are, you know, not a society necessarily. I won't take it that far and deep, but it, it does say a lot about, you know, where entertainment is and what people are digesting. And uh, I saw Nayef just commented, apparently he has not yet joined TikTok yet. So maybe we'll uh, talk some people into it. I do want to give the, uh, you know, lawyer wet blanket. There is some potential access issues to, you know, the Chinese government and, and Chinese run stuff going on there. So um, I know like the yeah, military Yeah, don't buy Yahweh been... phones either. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I know like the a lot of military and defense contractors they're banned from having TikTok on their work cell phones. So just keep it in mind. But at the end of the day, I don't think privacy really exists anymore as much as we like to think we have it. And uh, yeah. you know, everybody and their mother has it. So all right, he's now uh, Nayef is now willing to. Oh, he might download it to uh, help understand TikTok. So all right, um, any other ones you want to cover before we talk to Facebook, or let's get let's get into the big one. Sure, we can dive into Facebook. And, and again, a lot of this is holistical. You know, this kind of covers across platform and it's about learning each individual platform. So I encourage everyone, even if these aren't platforms that you feel like will be beneficial to you, at the end of the day, they have millions of people on them. And so finding a way how people are conversing there and understanding that is extremely important. Even on YouTube and what you're doing right now with this and and having people comment below and, and being able to interact with them. It's the same thing. And because before you started doing this, I know that you were watching other people's and commenting and you were commenting and engaging with people below their videos. And 
there's a whole ecosystem to understand here about how you know building your 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 name and your business and how that translates over to uh, building your business even bigger. Uh, it really connects. So, yeah, one of the things that uh, Gary, you know, well, I'll, I'll give a uh, my own Gary Vaynerchuk quote, throwback, whatever it is. Um, you know, he talked about doing, you know, engaging with people that have a smaller following than you. You know, you might have 800 followers on Instagram. So go on IGTV with somebody who has 600 followers and see if maybe you can get them up to 900 and you can get up to 1100 and, you know, grow that way. I think everybody looks on as like, oh, this, you know, this person has 2 million followers. You know, that's who I want to have on the show. But even just engaging with people that have similar, similar groups, a similar mindset, a similar following, you know, there's a lot of benefit that can be had by both everybody. Now, and I understand that, you know, the people following you and watching this video right now probably aren't trying to be quote unquote social media influencers in the spectrum of like getting sponsored for paid ads and stuff like that. But one thing to note is that micro influencers or people that have under a thousand followers, they have never been making more and more money than they are now because more and more brands are understanding that the people that have 20,000, 30,000 followers, they don't get real engagement. The people that have, you know, 800 followers and they know them because it's everyone they went to high school with and college with and their family, those are the real engagers for brands. And so having that understanding, it puts a new value on what you or not you, but anybody has. When they look at their followers, they go, wow, I only have 300 people that follow me. Well, shoot, those 300 people probably follow you a lot heavier than 30,000 people would. 30,000 people just like you to like you. You know what I mean? Hoping that you like them back. At 300, you have real connections there. And so I'm not saying to stay at 300, but growing organically and slow and having real conversation and building real connections is definitely the real sustainable way to do it. Because these platforms change. I mean, Facebook's been there and it's not going anywhere. I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, Facebook's going to die. Facebook's been here and is staying for right now. But these other platforms have come and gone. And, and new ones emerge and, and millions of people flock to them. And like I said, it might not be about direct advertising with an ROI. But if millions of people are somewhere and I want to attract millions of people, like I'm going to be there. I want to understand what they're doing there and why they're there. Uh, I mean, if you didn't understand the concept of Disney, but knew that so many people went there, you kind of want to just go to see what's there. Like, Hey, what's everyone seeing here? What's, what's there to do here? It's the same way online. You might as well join that conversation and be like, what are you, what are you guys looking at? You know? Because if there is a way to get creative and find a way to incorporate your brand, brands are going to do it. So you should do it. And you won't be able to unless you understand the, the what's going on there. Yeah, it always, I don't want to say cracks me up because that's not the right terminology. But I'm, it always, I'm always interested by the fact that, you know, you have a lot of these people that are running a solo or a very small business. And then they want to appear to be large. So they talk about you know, the team and they take photos with, you know, anybody who would possibly go there and, and, you know, pretend to be an employee and whatnot. But then you look at these giant companies. And so like progressive creates flow because they have no personal brand. And, you know, you've got the, can you hear me now guy? Because Verizon or now he's with Sprint or where, or was with uh, whatever it is, you know, because we don't have any persons for those brands. So, you know, what you're talking about from these micro influencers is there's so much benefit in, that brand in that personal brand. And that really a lot of that's based upon the engagement, the two way engagement inbound and outbound between that person and their followers. Sure. Because you have to remember too, if progressive has flow and they're putting that money in that big ad campaign, they have micro influencers too, that are posting about their experience. You know, it goes both ways when you have that much money to throw out around in advertising. Now, the alternative to that is, you know, if you own your own business is being your own flow and being your own spokesperson. I'll tell you, it is so much more beneficial to do what you've done for Jordan Law than to do a bunch of stock images because stock images people see through. We all know what a stock image is already. We've all been on social media long enough to know where you're pulling it from. And in fact, there's a Google reverse image tool that you can go and see where it was pulled from. So it would be better off using real images of people at your firm, whether it's done with a DSL camera or whether it's done with an iPhone, you know, poor, as I like to call it, you know, with the button still. It's better off than a stock image. Yeah, I had a, uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, Stephen Maddow, who actually got interviewed by the news for some of his uh, Orlando backgrounds that he did for Zoom. 
was like, look, man, until you're going to get an editing program and spend a bunch of time on this, like the iPhone is going to get you a better photo with the, uh, what the HDR or whatever it is, then you're going to get yep. out of a much, you know, a much nicer camera until you do the editing. Um, all right. Look, so and I, there is no devaluing what real photographers can do. And if you can afford it, go with it. And, and that's what a lot of agencies like us do is when brands are able to afford that heavy investment to, you know, really put money behind their brand and get good imagery. That's fantastic. But until you can do that, there's no excuse why you shouldn't be doing something. Right. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I'm not, I'm, I'm actually talking about it from the presence of giving a benefit to professional photographers versus, yeah. you know, some, some idiot who dabbles on the side. Um, but sure. I just, you know, it's interesting to me from, you know, snapping a photo of the team or, you know, doing a, a short background video. Sometimes you get more engagement than you do on something that's really well produced or I guess exactly. not professionally produced, but, you know, you put more, a little bit more time and effort into it. But anyway, so let's get back to um, outbound engagement on Facebook. So it's interesting because we've talked about kind of the niche for every other social media platform. But really, I think Facebook's niche is that they don't have a niche. Like Facebook, to me, is the one where you can post almost anything. Like you can be more business, you can be more personal, you can be more interactive. Am I, am I wrong there? You're right there. The issue with Facebook is their features get hot and cold. You know, certain things become really popular and that's how brands should be engaging. And then it changes based off of, you know, Facebook's feature. Um, if you've ever listened to the podcast, How I Built This, they did a really interesting episode uh, on Mark Zuckerberg. And I think they also did one on Freakonomics also. And they interviewed him and he was saying how many developers are constantly working on Facebook in like bundles of like 100 users so that they're testing so many different integrations and services and tools. So you might be looking at a version of Facebook that's different than what I'm looking at, that's different than what somebody else is looking at realistically. Um, and so because of that and because they need to constantly evolve and the way Facebook analyzes their analytics is how many extra seconds they can get you to spend on the platform, you know, these tools become, you know, trendy. Now, right now, I would say the biggest way to engage with people is communities. It's something that we did with Legalese Marketing and we started a community of law firm owners that, and people that work at law firms and just we post digital marketing tips and business tips in there and just create a conversation. And I would say joining other people's communities as well as starting your own is really the route to go when it comes to outbound engagement right now. Um, posting on a newsfeed, you're posting in, in, again, a lot of chatter. Same with stories, uh, posting in a lot of chatter. And that's okay. Um, you have an easier time connecting with people on a personal Facebook as opposed to a business Facebook. So for the people at your practice, I recommend, you know, you post from your firm and share out from your individual lawyers. Um, but the, the best way to kind of have that back and forth dialogue is going to be through communities. Yeah. And that's not just us coming up with that. That's, you know, when Facebook ran their Super Bowl ad, the Super Bowl ad was all about Facebook groups and Facebook communities. So that is them putting literally millions and millions and millions of dollars behind making sure that you're aware of that feature. Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're their customers and of course we're their products because, you know, they, they sell tons of advertising, but we're their customers in the aspect of they want us to spend more and more time there. And we're going to spend more time there when we're engaging and we're relevant, seeing relevant things and we're enjoying what we're, what we're doing. Um, so when it comes to communities, it's very interest-based and the conversation stays interest-based. You know, I have my UCF fan uh, Facebook group that I get, you know, blocked on all the time when every Saturday I'm talking about firing the coach. Uh, and that, that's my UCF outlet. I have, you know, my one for, you know, marketing and a bunch of different marketing groups. I try not to get banned from those because, you know, it's more of a professional level. But again, it's very segmented to what I'm following in there. With the group that we started, we want law firm owners to get specific digital content that is applicable across the board, but we want to give the spin of how it applies to them. And that's what we're using it for. And sure, we can post on our page, but when we post on our page, it's just, you know, it gets lost in the news feed. Facebook goes, oh, this is a business page. We don't want to, you know, rank it so highly. People want to see personal stuff. But when we post in the community, Facebook goes, we know that everyone here is subscribed to this community for a purpose. We're going to give them that notification. They're going to see that we posted. And then it gives them more of a chance to engage. So the way that things are set up right now, and again, this could change uh, you know, next month, but the way things are set up right now, 
communities are the place to be. You want to start your own if you have a purpose and you definitely want to join others. And again, join them for personal reasons too. I say that because, you know, you can't get someone to quit something unless they really want to. You can't get someone to do something unless they really want to. Um, unless you are understanding how to personally enjoy something, you're not going to understand how to co communicate your message and your content to other people in a way that they'll enjoy it. So if you go on TikTok and you go, these, these pesky kids, I hate this. And you're never going to understand what makes people, you know, for lack of a better term, tick, you know, when they're on there. And so you'll never understand how to purpose your content for that. So the same with these Facebook communities. If you, if you find them annoying and a nuisance, don't start your own because you're never going to find a way to do it the right way. So find a way to enjoy it for yourself. Find a way how people are engaging on there and then find a way how to apply your business to it. All right. So we have a, a question along those lines from Nayef. Uh, Nayef Mubarak, again, great immigration attorney in town, uh, asked, is there any way to separate personal profiles and business profiles? Does it make sense to try? My personal accounts have a lot more followers, et cetera, than business, but I try not to post. So I, I wouldn't split it. I would have, I would have both, but for separate purposes. Um, I would treat your business one as if, you know, if you're posting content from behind the scenes, you know, you can do it from the aspect of your business or your personal. If you're posting news from your business, you can post it from your business account and share it from your personal. But your personal is going to have more followers because you've had it probably for longer. People have been engaging with you on it for longer. Um, it's also going to have more of an organic feel. So it's going to get a lot more traction on these platforms based on the logarithm settings. And again, if you don't find a way to make it work for you personally, you're going to have a harder time finding a way to make it work for you professionally. So I'd find a way to bridge the two, um, even if it means toning back some of the things that may be a little bit too professional or that may be a little too not professional and finding that middle ground. That's really what's going to work the best. So then he um, asked, is there a point in trying to keep them separate for marketing purposes? I try not to overpost or work, overpost firm or work on personal accounts. But I think you kind of answered that. Um, is there... Yeah. Is there a best practice on how frequently to share? Because like I try to do maybe once a week where I'll take a firm post and share it on my personal page, but try to put a little bit Look, more of a human spin on it. I think if you, if you make it organic, no one's going to get annoyed by it or bothered by it. Honestly, I'd rather see if you don't make it an overly salesy thing, I'd rather see how your business is doing than how my aunt's dinner came out, right? Like at the end of the day, people are posting every single meal that they made on their Facebook. I think you're okay posting business news as long as you put your personal spin on it. And this is a way to make it a lot more humanized. Look, I'm not a lawyer, but if somebody needs you know, a criminal attorney, you're the first person I'm sending it to because not only are, A, I know you, but because I follow you on social media, I see the things that come from Jordan Law, but not just from Jordan Law, but from you and from other attorneys at your practice that like, they put their personal spin on it. It builds their credibility. You know, it's not just sharing stuff. It's sharing stuff from them as that person. I know them, you know, this is what they feel on it. So I would never shy away from overposting on the personal stuff as long as you're making it real. Um, if you have a hard time finding that balance, then tread lightly, post more on the professional side and start working it in. Maybe like you said, it is one time a week that you try sharing it and making it personable. But every time you do that, I always see the comments and people find it beneficial. So just maybe you do it a second time in a row and you see where people, you know, there's nothing wrong with testing people's patience lines because people are like dogs online. They forget things so quick. So you might as well taste it, test that line and work your way backwards. If you find that you're not getting a lot of traction, stop for a week, right? And then go back to once a week and start working it again until you find that line again. There's nothing wrong with that. I like it. All right. So, you know, and that's, you know, what you're talking about is exactly what I love about Facebook, just the ability to really share yourself. You know, on LinkedIn, I always feel like I'm trying to be a little bit more business lawyer, Jordan, uh, you know, sure. as opposed to on Facebook, we're like, I'm me, you know, and like, this is a shirt I would normally wear to work. And this is something that I would, you know, normally talk about at work. Um, I don't feel like I have to be more professional. Um, so sure. how does that relate to that outbound engagement on Facebook? Because it sounds like really building that community of, across anything that you like with anybody else who likes it, you may be able to then reuse for business purposes, you know, tangentially or something like that. 
Uh, what I would say is that the goal for business is the same as the goal for dating online. The real challenge is you got to get in them DMs. If you can get somebody on the direct message where you're actually having a one-on-one conversation, you're winning. And so I would almost funnel things down to that and because that's how you build those one-on-one connections that you don't feel bad asking for a referral on. You don't feel bad asking a question on. You can have that direct conversation without the world seeing. So however, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn that you can bring it into that. So for LinkedIn, for you, I would say to get past that because the, the way that you carry yourself breaks through that noise, you know, because you do carry yourself differently than the suit and tie buttoned up lawyer, right? So allow it to break through and show your personality on LinkedIn, but just purpose the content the way it's supposed to be, you know, purposed on LinkedIn. On Facebook, you know what I mean with communities, you are able to show a lot more of that personality side. At the same time, you can't show as much as you can on, you know, Instagram. So they all, like I said, have different, you know, challenges to them. But no matter what, finding a way to make it work for not just your business, like I was saying earlier, but also for, you know, how you personalize things is, uh, is the easiest way is just engaging there. All right. So we're going to wrap up in the next couple of minutes. So anybody who's sure. watching right now, if they have any other questions for Greg on social media or outbound engagement, uh, if you drop them now, we'll answer them. Otherwise we'll, uh, we'll circle back and try and get some responses to you if you post them later. So while that's going on, um, any other tips, tricks, guidelines, suggestions, whatever that you want to share with everybody? Um, right now, focusing on you know your SEO value on your websites are very important. Focusing on getting into best practices is very important. Um, a lot of people are scaling back their advertising. Um, so I say this by talking out of two ends of my mouth here. If you are somebody that can advertise right now and you have a purpose to advertise right now, I would say do it uh, because the inventory is very, is very low, meaning there's not as many people buying Facebook ads. So you can probably get them for a lot cheaper right now. Now on the flip side, if it is sensitive right now for you to advertise, whether it's, you know, not as much money coming in or whether it's, you know, just not the right time for people to be looking for your services, take advantage of setting best practices. You know, look at how your business is operating, whether that's the CRM side of how people are coming into your business and how you're engaging with them, uh, or whether it's the social media side and how your business is, you know, being portrayed or how you are joining these conversations as we talked about today and, and take advantage of the extra time that you have to interact with people that are new and build new audiences. Um, this is the time to do it for you. So if you, like I said, whether you are ready to advertise or whether you need that time to, you know, get set, um, take advantage of the time now. It, it's a really good time for either. Well, and that's why I like the, you know, organic social media type stuff, because you, I think you've got more eyeballs now that you can reach for free. And then if you do want to switch that into advertising later, you've already got a better base to jump off of. The issue is, and this goes back to why we're having this conversation in the first place, you, there's more eyeballs on digital screens right now, but that means there's a lot more chatter in the room. And so using this outbound engagement, taking advantage of the comment section on other people's posts, putting yourself out there in other conversations, looking at you know hashtags, it's never been more important because just screaming at the top of your lungs, everyone's screaming at the top of their lungs right now. <laughs> so to back to the analogy before, whereas when you walk out in the street, start yelling, who would pay attention? Right now, it's if you'd walk out on the street, everybody's yelling. <laughs> so it's pure chaos. So you have to take advantage of those under communities, right? The, the calmness in the storm. So the comments that people are engaging in and communities that people are engaging in in group settings. All right. So for those uh, people who are listening now, and then obviously everybody listens to this as it stays up here, if they know that they need some marketing help. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. We do have a question. So Facebook Live or pre-recorded videos for Facebook? This way you can use content across multiple platforms, Nayef says. If you're dynamic, go Facebook Live. It's organic. Uh, if it's a matter of photo versus video, record a video. You know, there's nothing wrong with going on script. And, and, you know, having something very purposeful to say, and you can put videos like that. There's nothing wrong with going live and having some organic chat, but it's two different skill sets. You know what I mean? There's, there's people that are great at improv and people that are good at, you know, a set. If you're good at a set and have a set script, do video. If you're good at just want to converse and put yourself out there, Facebook live. The problem is 
Um, Facebook Live can also lead to troubles if you don't have a clean mouth or you go off topic or no one's conversing with you and you turn to the Jeb Bush, please clap, you know, situation. So um, just make sure you do have a purpose if you are going to go live. And in terms but anything's of better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And in terms of repurposing the content, um, you can still pull the Facebook live video. You can still chop it up. You know, these go to Twitter or these go to YouTube afterwards. Um, a lot of these get ripped up into audio and become podcasts. And then a lot of these will get cut up into, you know, 30 to 60 minute segments for us to repost. So just because it's on Facebook live doesn't mean that it's gone. Once it's done, it'll still be saved. It'll still be there. It can still be watched. You just, I think also get the benefit of Facebook trying to pull people immediately to it while it's there. Yeah. And I just look, every platform wants you to stay on their platform. So, you know, post the Facebook video on Facebook, post a separate video on YouTube and, and engage on both just as heavily, you know, they, they have their separate audiences, but both are very important to the grand scheme of things. All right. So um, if we have people watching and they know they need some marketing help, uh, we've got the website up there, legalesemarketing.com. And then um, any other ways you want them to get in touch with you, Greg? You can email me directly at greg at legalesemarketing.com. Uh, and I'll be happy to answer anything. Uh, I try to stay away from Twitter personally, just because uh, I've had my share of issues over there. But uh, I recommend anyone that has a cleaner sense of humor to, to join Twitter. It's definitely a good place to be. And, and that's Legalese Marketing, E-A-S-E, not E-S-E, because the marketing company is one hopefully great dad joke, name-wise. Yes, correct. <laughs> Courtesy right. of this dad over there. <laughs> you know, I do what I – I've been telling dad jokes since before I was a dad, so I feel like I, uh, I'm, a, I'm an expert in that, which I guess is what every dad thinks. So, you know, anyway – um, all right. So with that being said, um, if you like the videos, you want to see more of them, please join our YouTube channel, the link is, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link is at the beginning of the post. And then if you're interested to learn about commercial uh, real estate, when it comes to the legal side and evictions, we're going to have Jason O'Neill on tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And then I saw that uh, Matt Palma jumped on here for a little bit. I don't know if he's still in the chat. He will be joining us on Thursday to talk about um, healthcare directives, estate planning, and those kind of things during coronavirus. So hope to see you back here tomorrow at 11, and then subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys.